It's the Andy Thompson Show on ESPN 97.7. The Sport Hole. Sports, 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 sports. Two-minute drill presented by Ideal Home and Auto Paint. Gives to Taylor. Taylor has all sorts of room. Up and under for Taylor. Oh, you switched it, Larry. Thank you. It's no longer football season, you know, in Region 9. Good job. Yes. All right. Um, games tonight, Desert Hills at Snow Canyon. This is Mackie versus All Red. This is like this is like um, Dominique versus Larry Bird in like the late 80s. Here you have All Red who can make a shot from anywhere on the floor. He plays the old man mid-range game, Black Mamba, elbow to elbow, 17-foot jumpers, fading away, getting to the rim, three-point shot. And then you've got Owen Mackey on the other side who does a lot of the same stuff going up against each other and what I think will be a pretty even game in the jungle tonight. That's going to be a lot of fun. Me and Rustin will be over there. I think I think probably for both of these teams, I mean, they're kind of similar, but I, I think for Snow Canyon, it is getting consistent point production around Mackey, whether it's... Ends from three, whether it's Dre Smith, whether it's Kelsch, who's such a scrapper. I love watching Trey Kelsch play. The big men, Owen Aloa, Campbell. I think depending on the matchup, those guys can get points down low. And I think tonight against Desert Hills, who doesn't have a lot of size, that might be might be a big opportunity for Aloa um, at home. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Dixie's at Cedar tonight. That game on 590 KSUB. Talked a lot about Jordan Roberts. Listen to the shower thought. Did you listen to the shower thought, Larry? Yes. You did? Yes. All right. Um, Roberts had 17 assists his last game. He's averaging 11.3 assists. Not only leads the state, but he leads the whole country. Boys and girls basketball. And the way he's trending, I believe he will break it. I talked about this yesterday, but I'm just I'm just gobsmacked by the stats he's putting out for the Dixie Flyers. Obviously, Lemke is having a MVP-type year for the Flyers. Wide Hour has been a godsend addition this year. Um, Brecken Robinson dropped 30 his last time out. They only play six guys, you know. And they are so aggressive. You know, I was watching that BYU-Houston game last night. Houston's so aggressive on the perimeter. They're like the Dixie Flyers. I mean, they don't let any pass go complete without contesting it on the perimeter. So fun to uh, watch because it generates a lot of offense on the other end. So going to be a battle up in Cedar. Cedar will have the band going. The tuba player will be playing all game, making noise. The student section is always great up there. Can you believe it, Larry? I've never done a game at Cedar for basketball. I've done football games. I've never done a basketball game in part because we got that covered with our guy Chris Holmes up there, but it seems like I've been here a while. Never done a game at Cedar. It's pathetic. Pineview will be out at uh, Hurricane tonight. That game on 890 KDXU. Carrick Segmiller will have the call out in uh, H-Town. So that's your triple header tonight. Region 9 Hoops all presented by Ideal Home and Auto Paint. Let's go to the next two-minute drill topic. Kalani Satake and the staff came to see Brock Harris. I believe this was today at Pineview High School. Brock going into his junior season, a top tight end in his class. 
a five-star, depending on, I think, depending on which rating system you look at. But I think, overall, he's considered a five-star kid, which means he'll have his pick. And so, I remember talking about this during football season. BYU coming at him hard. Everybody's coming at him hard. And I remember back during football season, I said, go to Bama, go to Georgia. Don't screw around. Don't don't mess around with a Pac-12. Don't mess around with USC. If you want to go to the NFL, go to one of the factories. They don't let you down. Brock Bowers won two Mackeys in a row at Georgia. He's going to be a first-round draft pick, depending on his knee. Is his knee okay? Iowa. Don't go to Iowa. <laughs> I know Iowa has produced five all-pro tight ends in the last few years. Iowa's leading pass catcher last year had 260 yards receiving. I don't know if it was the tight end or receiver. If it was a receiver, that means the tight end had even less. So I know that uh, Iowa City is a tight end factory, but don't don't go to Iowa. I Nobody's going to argue if you go to Bama or Georgia or some of these tight end uh, Oklahoma Notre Dame. I mean, I think the Mackey Award, Laporta won it last year, and I was like, why didn't Kincaid get it? Or two years ago, why didn't Kincaid get a shot is what I was thinking. But then Laporta turns out to be the best uh, rookie tight end in the NFL, if not the best tight end in the NFL this year for the Lions. I think BYU is tight end you locally. Utah fans don't like to hear that because they have, they've had Kincaid and Keithy recently, but BYU's had 10 tight ends drafted in the NFL over the life of the school. Uh, Pitta and, and uh, Lewis and uh, others. Heartline. You know, Isaac Rex recently, even though he was banged up a lot, had a great year this year. Dallin Holker leaves. BYU goes to Colorado State, is on the Mackey Award final contention so it'll be interesting to see if one of these local schools can woo Brock but I think I'm going to stick with my thing which is go to a school that is a minor league professional team the SEC doesn't screw around if you look at the SEC when they get a five star kid the percentage of time that they turn him into a first round draft pick if you're five star you're supposed to be a first round draft pick And you compare it to other conferences, specifically the Pac-12, which I know now is dead. But I remember at the time saying, these five stars that go to USC or UCLA, they they come out of UCLA as a four-star. And they're drafted later in the NFL. Don't screw around. Go to the NFL farm system, which is the SEC. Or one of these prestigious Ohio State and the Big Ten, you know, Michigan... Although Michigan, I don't think, throws enough to the tight end, even under Harbaugh's system. Notre Dame, fine, but it'd be cool if he would go to BYU or Utah. Um, I know he's got ties to BYU with his dad. Anything else there, Larry? No. Good to see Satake and the boys out and about in the state of Utah, though, looking at people. Um, Very good. The Sport Hall. Sports, 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 sports. The center is incredibly special. Uh, you know, our, our the Cougar Nation it, it, was, it played a large part in us trying to scrap back into this game. Um, and we need their help. And, and, and everybody in the gym was great tonight. What do you think about BYU fans whining about the refs last night? 
<laughs> They're right. Did you not watch the game, Larry? No. Well, the the play that they're whining about is when um, Nell gets gets grabbed. It's a veteran play by the Houston kid, but he on an inbound play he just grabs Trevor Nell's arm and pulls and falls to the ground and brings Nell and the and the refs just instinctively call it on on BYU. That was a big call. Was that they were down one at that point? Yeah, it was late in the game. They're right to whine about that call. It was a bad call. They reviewed it. They reviewed it to see if it was a common foul or a technical foul or whatever. And they said, no, it's just a common foul. They didn't review it to say, oh, we need to change this because it's obvious this guy is not only flopping, but he's grabbing the defender and kind of pulling him onto himself to make it look bad. So, no, I don't, I don't, I think they're, accurately whining about that here here's the takeaway from this from that game is BYU had a three uh, Nell had a wide open three and had he made it they probably win the game this is a the number four team in the country Larry Houston coming into the Marriott Center the crowd it's unbelievable one of the best home court advantages in the West and maybe you know in the big 12. Include Kansas. BYU's attendance is higher than Kansas's right now. I think that I think the the uh, Fog Allen Fieldhouse is great, but it's kind of um, it's kind of got a little Michigan the Big House in it, where it's a lot of people in sweaters. You know, it's kind of a sacred museum to college basketball. I know it's rowdy and stuff like that, but they're so used to to just dominating every game they play at home in conference that I don't know that the electricity is as good there as it is in some other Big 12 venues, including BYU last night. BYU's played some big games against Gonzaga in their WCC era, but just night in and night out, man. In the Marriott Center when they get to play at home, it's awesome. We saw them beat you know, Iowa State a couple, couple games ago there. Um, people need to apologize to Mark Pope. And the reason they need to apologize is because this wasn't a new age transfer portal turnaround season. It's one thing if you transfer portal everything and you suck one year and you're good the next year. That's not what he did this year. It's the same exact team as the year before, except for Khalifa, who comes off the bench. I know he's starting now because Traore is not, but all the guys are the same except for him. And it's not a transfer portal change. It's a schematic change. And what Pope has done is said, okay, we're just going to shoot the, the, we're going to shoot more threes than anybody else in the country. Right now, BYU is second in the country. At three-point attempts. Nobody in the top ten in three-point attempts is in a Power Five conference except for BYU. All the other schools are Chattanooga and North Florida and uh, Liberty and Charleston and all these low-mid-major schools. BYU is second. They're shooting 34 threes a game, Larry. And they're making a great percentage of them. 
Last year, they shot 23 threes a game. So Pope said, I got the same dudes coming back. I'm. We're, we got to make a change. We're going into the Big 12. We're going to do something drastic. And by doing so, I'm taking a lot of the power uh, for me. And I'm giving it to the players. And they're just going to shoot threes every time. And it's worked like a charm. And they've, they've, you know, are slated right now by Lenardi as a five seed. Even though they've still got a bunch of Big 12. they got 12 more Big 12 games left. And so I think Pope deserves a ton of credit to this point in the season. Now, they could fall off and they could get exhausted in their first Big 12 season with what a grind it is and how everybody's good. And they could finish the season 2-10 and 10 or something. But at this point, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Not only how you've done so far. I know you have a losing record in the Big 12, but you had Houston with a chance to win the game. With a wide open three. And then you get another open three in the corner that you missed. So Houston's defense, which is the best in the whole dang country, came to the Marriott Center. They were a problem. But you still played your game and you made a bunch. What did they make? Did they make 13 threes? 28%, which is fine. You know, you want to be closer to your season average, which is mid-30s. But um, to shoot... To make that many threes at home gives you a chance. You shot almost 40 threes. So, with the remainder, remainder of the Big 12 uh, schedule upcoming, their next six games, are five out of the six, are kind of the beatable teams in the Big 12, aside from aside from Oklahoma. So, I, I would say if they go 500 for the rest of the, if they go 6-6 six and six for the remainder of their conference schedule, that is a huge, great season for BYU. Great season. They'd still finish sub 500 in the conference, but who cares? I mean, let's see. West Virginia last year went to the tournament, and they were seven and eleven in the Big Twelve. They were they were seven and eleven in conference, and they went to the tournament as a 19 win team. The Big Twelve sent seven teams last year. Lenardi has them sending ten teams right now. Now, that will diminish, but still, if you're in the top seven or eight in the Big 12, which is going to be tough, but feasible, you're going to go to the tournament. And, you know, BYU hasn't gone to the tournament a lot. How many times has Pope been? A couple of three times. Um, They haven't been deep since Jimmer in the tournament, so... This is a, a big season because of, of my uh, my big point is they don't have anybody new. They're just playing a different style of basketball. And so kudos to uh, Pope. Fantastic. Anything else on BYU basketball last night, Larry? It was a great atmosphere, great student section. And that's what everybody says in the Big 12. Um, Kelvin Sampson said it at the end of the game last night. Tyrese Halliburton said it on a mic when he was at the Iowa State game a couple uh, games ago. This atmosphere is one of the best that they've seen. And Samson said this this atmosphere, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was basically these guys, you know, they cheer loud here. The Rock's doing a fantastic job. Um, anything else, Lawrence? No. All right. Thank you. Great job. It's time for Change My Mind in the Sport Hole. Oh, oh, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, the moment 
Wednesdays with Waylon. Welcome in, man. So it's always good to see you on a Wednesday. Well, if it's Wednesday, it's a good day as far yeah. as I'm concerned because I get to come in here and be with you on the show. And I, I just appreciate that you are still promoting this segment every week and that we get to have these discussions. It's the best. Yeah. It's one of my favorite segments. Me too. Every week. Absolutely. I know you like it too. I have a great time. I've yeah. got a great time. I get so many compliments from people who, whether they side with you, which is rare, whether they side with <laughs> with, with me, which is uh, the lion chair of people uh-huh. I talk to around town. But uh, it, you, you got a, you got a lot of friends. That, yes. you know, in town. So it's an it enjoyable. Sense. It's a little different, and it's yeah. not about uh, screaming at each other. It's That's just right. about getting down and having a good old-fashioned bar, you know, like you'd have it in a pub back in the day. Getting down and having a convo. Yeah, exactly. That's so what we do. today, I, I was surprised that Grant Hale and USA Basketball did not invite your boy Draymond Green <laughs> to come and try out for the U.S. team for the Olympics. Mm, right? Yes. Because of this, his suspension, right? In large part. In large part. Yeah. But I think, I think USA Basketball is moving away from a guy who is an M- multi multi NBA champion, leader, toughness, defense. Nobody, nobody can stand. Nobody wants Look, to play with Draymond. It's about winning the gold medal. See, this is my problem. This is my problem with people like you, it, you soft millennials. Is you don't respect the tough guy enforcers in the league. What? Tu- what? You're what not allowed tough- to do it anymore. They don't allow them to do it anymore. No, they just in the stupid in in the stupid uh, NBA, and now they're going to legislate him out of of national when ha- basketball. When is international of the Olympics? Is what I'm saying. When has international basketball been about? You don't value it. That's why they lost in oh wait that pathetic. They didn't have a leader like Draymond. I agree they with didn't that. Have they? Did, they needed Kobe. Yep. They needed Kobe and twelve to save their bacon. They, he did. He did. And, I just. I'm just saying, this is a softest Charmin move by Grant Hill <laughs> and by Shashevsky and Bayhai, whoever the heck else is helping out with USA basketball. Nobody soft. Yep. Well, I agree with that part of it. But. All right. All right. Hey, have a great rest of the show. You, have hey, a great. Thanks time for coming. Doing the region hoops. Yeah. I'll Big be listening, tonight. and I'll talk to you again next Wednesday, my friend. Okay. Great to see you. You too. Thanks a lot, Waylon. Wednesdays with Waylon, everybody. You hear it every week in the Sport Hole. Pandering local poll of the day. Third and five. Goff. End zone. Touchdown. Josh Reynolds. Where does Jared Goff rank on your all-time NFL revenge list? Great question. Jared Goff on my all-time revenge list in the NFL. I would say, let's start with honorable mention because I want to mention, um, I want to mention Favre. When Favre went to the, to the Vikings, he beat the Packers his first two times. So that's honorable mention. I know Farr was a pain in the butt with the Packers. They wanted to get rid of him. It's so eerily similar, obviously, to, to you know, Rodgers. And that's been talked about ad nauseum on ESPN for years. Uh, 
The other honorable mention I want to give is Montana, who beat Young, I think, the first time they played. Larry, look this crap up, but I think the first time Montana played the 49ers, he beat Steve Young, and he beat the 49ers, and that was sweet for uh, for Joe. But let's let's let, neither of those make my top five. This is the top five revenge things, stories in uh, the history of the NFL. According to the sport hole, Larry. Let's do it. Number five. Number five is Alex Smith. Alex Smith was driven out of San Francisco. Twice he won uh, 10, 11 games every year, Larry. Almost took him to the Super Bowl, except for the idiot punt returner muffs the punt in the NFC Championship game. But next year, Harbaugh benches Alex Smith and goes to Kaepernick, and the rest is history. Smith then goes to the Chiefs and takes them to the playoffs every year. Meanwhile, the 49ers continually get worse under Harbaugh and under Kaepernick. And Smith is smiling the whole time to the bank and Andy Reid and all that stuff. And then uh, Alex Smith turns the reins over to Patrick F. Mahomes very classily. Classily? Very uh, magnanimously. One of those is a word. So, thank you, Alex Smith. Number five, all-time revenge. Loved watching him be good in Kansas City when the Niners suck. Number four. Number four is Jared Goff right now. Jared Goff is ahead of Alex Smith. Alex Smith went to the playoffs more, but Jared Goff, I don't think, Smith never went to the conference championship. Goff is not only going to the conference championship, but he beat his old team who said, you suck. Get out of here. You're you're harsh in the mellow on Sean McVay's brilliance. You're not good enough for us. Beat it. We want this 40-year-old who's got 10 kids to come. Well, it worked out. but uh, So, Goff is in the conference championship. He's going to get worked over by, the, by San Francisco, but we're all rooting for him, and we all love him very much. We all and we all love Dan Campbell. So Goff is number four. <clears throat> Do you like Goff? Yes. Why? He went to Cal. Remember how annoying you know all the hype was about him when he was at Cal, Larry. Remember when the Utes picked him off like six times in one game? Yes. All right. Let's go to number three, Lawrence. Number three. Number three. Peyton Manning goes to the Broncos. Manning went to the Bron. They said the Bron or the the Colts said, "You're old, your neck hurts, you're taking steroids, you're having them shipped to your wife's house." <laughs> We're on to it. The, the, the story's not going to be popular because nobody wants to hear that Peyton Manning's on steroids. But we all know how this went down. Get out. We're we're sending you to the Broncos because we've got. Andrew Luck in the first pick coming your way, coming our way. Beat it. And then Manning goes and throws 50 touchdowns for the Broncos. And then, let's see, gets his crap kicked in the Super Bowl against the She-Hawks. But then two years later, goes back to the Super Bowl and beats Cam's butt, if I'm remembering that properly. And he gets ultimate revenge against the Colts, who said, get rid of him. He won a Super Bowl, even though he sucked that year. So that's number three. Number two. Number two. John Gruden. 
John Gruden is with the Raiders. He is making them good. He's doing the West Coast thing with Gannon. He takes them to the Super Bowl. Ah, he, he takes them at least to the AFC Championship where they lose. And then, let's see, how does this work? Dang it, Larry. Al Davis says, look, Gruden, Chucky, beat it. I'm sick of the horizontal passing. Gannon's completion percentage is like 93%, but it's only because he's throwing three-yard Bill Walsh-style passes. Give me a break. This is the Raiders. This is Kenny Stabler. This is Jimmy Plunkett-style football. Get out. We're going to bomb it down the field. So he trades Gruden to the Bucks, and then Gruden takes the Bucks to the Super Bowl and wipes the floor with the Oakland Raiders. And those Gruden Bucks teams are some of the funnest teams in the history of football because you had Allstott, you had Warwick Dunn, you had Derek Smith, you had Warren Sapp, you had Rondé Barber, you had uh, Keyshawn, who was a pain in the butt. You had Joe Juravicious, maybe? So that's number two because Al said, get out. You're not good enough. And then Gruden beat him in the Super Bowl. How is that not number one? Well, it's not number one because... And at number one... We got Tom also getting his revenge with the Bucks and all that stuff. I thought it was interesting... Some of the insight that has been recently reported uh, over the last couple weeks now that Belichick has left and Kraft kind of wanted him gone... That Belichick was going to Kraft and saying, Tom, we can't win with Tom. He's no good anymore. Kraft wanted to keep him at a special spot in his heart for Tom. Belichick said he doesn't have it anymore. And then he goes and wins a Super Bowl instantly with the Bucks. So that's got to be the number one sports revenge story in the NFL. Of all time, according to the sport hole. And I'm sure I missed one, Larry, or two, if you know one let me know or if you're listening and want to text in one that i missed let us know 900 3776 pretty good list though right larry yes the sport hall sports 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 yeah so first of all i think on our side we're all in i mean i think that's the most important thing is that we get lined up um I think we've gotten and established a pretty good relationship with Gary Batman and Bill and the crew over there for a couple of years now. And I think that, that that's important as well. And, you know, if you look at the momentum of Utah, we've got to put something in front of them that's pretty tough for them to turn down. And I think we've done that. We've got the youngest demographic in the country, the fastest growing state. We just were, we're in the process of the Olympics, which is massive for 34 and hockey. Um, hockey's one of the only winter sports that isn't training there. We've got a top five tech ecosystem. Um, and, and really, we've sold out 251 straight jazz games. Um, it's going to be successful. And I think if you take a step back and you look at that momentum with a chance to build an incredible new arena somewhere that's hockey-specific, um, it's, it's pretty compelling from our standpoint, our group, our ownership groups, completely lined up, ready to go. Okay, so... Do you care about the NHL in Salt Lake? Yes, that was uh, Ryan Smith on the Pat McAfee show from today. Yes, I do. 
first, they want an expansion team, not a relocation team, right? They don't want the freaking Coyotes or some crap. So if they get an expansion team, that'll be great. A lot better. Um, But secondly, Larry, Salt Lake should have goals. And their goal should be to be Denver. Denver is a big-time city because they've got the four major league sports. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey. Utah's got one. So people that are against the NHL coming, it's like, what? You want to die as Portland? A conservative Portland with a basketball team and a MLS team? That's, that's what you want? That's how low self-esteem you have? What I love about Ryan Smith is he believes and wants to turn Salt Lake into a prime major league city. And he gets he gets it done. He gets things done, Larry. And he's going to get this NHL team. And I hope Gale can get the Major League Baseball team. And then you just need to get, need an NFL team. Now, I care more about the Knights, clearly, because we're from Knights territory. Vegas born, Larry. But, yes, it'll be good. It'll work. I know it's the same season as the Jazz and all that stuff. But Salt Lake is sports hungry. They're sports-obsessed people, and it's such a better landing spot than any other of these loser, mid-tier, mid-market places around the country. I don't want to hear about Charlotte getting anything. I don't want to hear about Portland getting a baseball team. Nashville, fine. Enough of Canada, too, by the way. They got enough hockey teams, and the last time we gave them an NBA team, they sucked. The market sucked. So let's not do that again. Or baseball. Baseball should not be in Canada. Montreal failed. Toronto plays in that horrible stadium. And nobody cares. Get them out. Bring them back home to the red, white, and blue. Bring them to Salt Lake City, for heaven's sakes. The problem is people care about the Blue Jays in Toronto. They need to steal the Rays from Tampa. But, uh, so, yes, I'm all for it. And uh, people in Salt Lake should be all for it. You only live... We're all going to be dead in 40 years. Don't you want to have a hockey... Don't you want to be from a city who has a hockey team? Why are you so concerned about other stuff? You know, you go on You go on these Twitter things and everybody's like, Oh, well, first we got to repair the, the depot downtown or there's potholes or whatever. And it's like, no, just do the big thing. Have some vision. Get the NHL team. And Ryan Smith's the guy to do it. And I think Bettman sees Ryan Smith's pitch and how young and rich Salt Lake is and the surrounding area and the tech boom and all that stuff and says, yeah, we can go there. I like this Ryan Smith guy. And I hope the same goes for uh, Major League Baseball. The Sport Hall. Sports, 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 sports. Was there anything noteworthy in Jeremy Fowler's NFL executive report? Yes. I like this article ESPN does every year during the playoffs where they send a a writer to interview kind of anonymously a bunch of NFL execs because I think that's rare insight that you don't normally get unless Schefter's on the move. The interesting stuff that I got from the article that NFL execs are saying will happen before next year. The first one is... Russell Wilson to the Raiders. 
Here's what the exec said. Quote, the Raiders need a veteran, and they are one of Wilson's original teams he wanted to go to. He'd stay in the AFC West, West Coast, and Wilson's wife, Ciara, can do a Las Vegas residency as a performer. Gives a crap. In fact, the Raiders are the only team from that wish list that has a quarterback need. Rookie Aiden O'Connell performed admirably, but Coach Antonio Pierce will be in win-now mode after earning the job on the basis of a 5-4 and four interim stint. I think if they got dangerous, that's a home run. Obviously, in desperate need of a quarterback. Number two thing that it was noteworthy from the NFL execs offseason stuff is we don't have to do that drum roll every time, Larry. Green Bay is going to go to the Super Bowl next year. Quote, Green Bay has a young nucleus to build from, and the offensive line is playing really well, a veteran AFC exec said. The defense was up and down but finished the year much better. They've always had talent on that side of the ball. Can they be consistent? And then lastly, Cousins and Belichick to the Falcons. Cousins might very well re-sign with Minnesota, but if not, the Falcons offer several high-end skilled players on offense and an improving defense. They're a proverbial quarterback away. Belichick can help a talented yet underachieving team, and Atlanta is that. And AFC executive said, "AFC executive said, excuse me, Cousins would be a great fit there." Well, I don't think there's much insight to that one. I mean, Bill's been uh, going down to Atlanta a lot, and uh, would probably love Cousins down there. I think the big one here is if Russell Wilson goes to the the Raiders. After the Broncos have said we've had enough. Very good, Larry. Let's uh, wrap it up, pal. What do we got? Op Ed or Op Meh? Oh, sorry, right. Larry. There you go. Happy, happy, happy. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. All right, this is posthumous, as Tony Kornheiser always says on PTI. But, okay, go ahead, Lawrence. Sorry. Is Mark Eaton. You be the judge. Now, he never leaves the ground and almost dunks that one. Then you'll see Kareem get a piece of the elbow. Now he has a chance for the three-point play. Class act, gentleman, uh, seven-foot-four gentleman, and, um, but a tenacious rebounder, tenacious shot blocker. And then you get off the court. He'd, he'd shake your hand, brush your shoulder off for you if you needed something. As, as much as... Stockton and Malone were the face of the Utah Jazz. So was Mark Eaton. Happy birthday to the late, great Mark Eaton. One of the greatest Utah Jazz players ever. Just passed away a couple years ago. Um, the, the great, the amazing thing about e- Mark Eaton's story is he's, he's in California as a youngster, and he's not a basketball player. He's huge, not a basketball player, playing water polo. Doesn't have interest in basketball. Then is kind of talked into it, much like many tall guys are. For example, here locally, Kyle Lemke didn't play basketball. Some of the kids on the team see him walking around the halls in sixth grade, and he's like, you know, six, six or however tall he was. And they said, hey, you need to come play basketball. And then the rest is history. Similar story with Mark Eaton. Plays J.C. Ball, is drafted by the Suns late in in a draft, 
decides to not go but continues to play basketball, junior college basketball in Southern California, then goes to UCLA, and then gets drafted and goes to the NBA. And uh, how many games in his career did he have more than 10 blocks in a game, Lawrence? Would be a great question because he's got to be up there with some of the best of all time like Dikembe and Hakeem and, uh, you know, Bill Russell. So happy birthday to the late Mark Eaton. Thank you, Lawrence. That's the sport. Oh, thanks for being with us. Quick break. Back with more right after this on a game day Friday in Southern Utah. Triple header. Region 9 hoops coming your way. Thanks for being with us, everybody.